Thank you so much for having me here. This is, um, it's always such a pleasure to be able to come back home and spend time with you guys and see you again and just be in my natural habitat. <laughs> so this is um, a real pleasure and blessing to be here with you today. Um, I want to start off this morning by uh, playing a song. And uh, a lot of you probably recognize this song. It's an old, oldie but goodie. And uh, I just want you to pay attention to the words. You know, maybe if you haven't heard it before, just pay attention to the words and how it makes you feel. So, Emeka, if you could go ahead and play the song. You place the flowers in the vase that you bought today. Staring at the fire for hours and Feel free to sing along if you know it. Thank you. Okay, how many people have heard that song before? Yes, a lot of people. Um, I chose that song today because when I listen to that song, I feel like I'm at home. You know, it just has that, of course, it's called Our House. It's the name of the song, but it gives you that sense that all the world is right. You know, everything is where it should be. You're at perfect peace with the world. You know, um, you're just in this moment that feels perfect. 
And I think that most of us in our lives are kind of searching for that. We want to arrive at that place where everything feels like it's right. You know, maybe we've got our dream job or we've got our dream marriage or dream family, you know, um, our dream house. You know, it could be any number of things that kind of represent that for you where you feel like you're in that moment of, of perfection or peace, perfect peace. And um, like I said, I think most of us in our lives, that's what we're constantly on a search for. We're constantly trying to move in that direction at arriving at this moment of perfect peace. Um, and you know, maybe that moment isn't just a place, it could be a person for you. you, you maybe it's a memory, something that happened in the past where you remember being with your family and you just felt that sense of belonging and it was just a powerful thing. So maybe you're trying to get back to that moment of perfect peace. Um, and so for all of us, I think it's something that's really uh, deep within our souls. We're really longing um, to, to arrive at that place. And the Bible talks a little bit about that. Um, so if you don't mind, go ahead and put the first verse up. It's in Hebrew um, 11, so if you brought your Bibles, Hebrew, Hebrew 11, 13 through 17. I'll go ahead and read it for you. All these people were still living in faith when they died. They did not receive the things that, uh, the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. They are, they, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So when it says all these people, um, it's actually talking about this list of people who um, were in the Old Testament. And these people had demonstrated uh, faith in God throughout their lives. Um, but what it, one of the things that it says about these people is that, like us, uh, they didn't experience the things that they had been promised. So th they, had, they had this longing in them that uh, was unfulfilled. And um, they f the, the, the thing that they were hoping for was something that was like really distant and far off. And it says also, really interestingly, it says they admitted that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. Now, uh, as you can imagine, I personally have a lot of experience with what it's like to be a foreigner and a stranger. Um, as a missionary, you know, this is a, a reality that I'm confronted with daily. You know, everywhere I go, people stare at me because they, you know, I look different from them. And in the place where I'm at, you know, they don't have a lot of experience with foreigners. So I really stick out. And, um, uh, you know, I... I, I always look out of place, no matter where I'm at. And, you know, I have a dis different accent. Uh, and so, you know, even, doesn't matter how much time I spend in Brazil, I'm never gonna fit in perfectly with them. I'm always gonna be different from them. You know, I'm never gonna speak the language perfectly. I'm always gonna sound different. So this is something that uh, is not difficult for me to imagine what it's like to be a stranger and a foreigner. Um, but of course, you know, then I come home with you guys and I'm back in Ohio and I'm back among my family and my friends and my church 
And when I'm here, I can experience a great sense of belonging. Like, you know, this is my home. This is a place where I really identify with, you know, I drive along the streets. I mean, some of them have changed, but for the most part, everything's really familiar. You know, it's amazing how easy it is to just kind of jump right back into the flow, you know, of things that I haven't done, you know, for three years now. Um, so even though I understand the sense of being a, f and a foreigner, you know, coming back home, I get that feeling again of, of belonging and home, uh, and I can call this place my own. But even being here with you guys, as beautiful and wonderful as you are, you know, I don't have to really dig too deep beneath the surface of my own heart to feel longing and, and lack, you know. Um, I could always have more belonging. I could always have more intimacy. You know, I could always have uh, deeper peace. You know, I, 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 I get like a temporary relief here, but, but really, you know, if I were to stay here, I'd start feeling empty again. You know, it wouldn't be enough being here, as, as amazing as it is. So I think that um, for you all, even though maybe you haven't had the experience of being a missionary, you might be able to connect with the idea of still having that longing for more, still, still wanting more intimacy, more belonging, more uh, rest and peace in your own life. Um, but what I think we can come to the realization of, just like the people did in this, in this verse, is that even in this place of home, you know, we never quite arrive at that sense of perfect peace, like the song. You know, we, we are constantly living in this longing and this lack. It's just the nature of, of being on the earth and being human. And so we have to come to the realization that uh, that, that perfect place is never going to exist here. We're never going to enter into that moment um, until we actually go to heaven, which is what the, the verse is saying. It says, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. So th uh, that moment of perfect peace where everything in our life is, you know, our family, our job, um, all of our deepest longings are being met, it's never going to happen here. And that's, to say that is, is really kind of despairing. You know, we don't really want to admit that. We don't want to admit that we can't find our true home here because it means that we're always going to have this feeling of, of lack in our lives. Um, you know, that's a really scary idea to be a stranger. It's a scary idea to think I'm never going to fully belong. I'm never going to fully be known in this earth. And so I think uh, a lot of us, we just pretend that that's not true and we keep moving forward saying, no, I'm going to find it in the here and now. I'm going to find my home here. Um, and this is where we end up having so many problems, I think, in most of our lives, where we end up with a lot of hang-ups, is that we get so frustrated and disappointed with our lives when they don't play out the way that we wanted them to, because we're trying to make for ourselves a home in a foreign country you know, in a foreign land where we're never going to quite fit in, but we just keep trying. You know, we're like, no, one day I'm going to make it work here on the earth. And um, we don't want to admit that it, it's not possible. 
And so, you know, not only do we not fit in on the earth, you know, not only do we not feel this complete sense of peace and belonging, but we also experience terrible uh, tragedies in our lives. You know, um, we basically live, being on the earth is living in like a hostile land, you know, bombs are going off everywhere. You know, we're trying to build up walls to kind of protect us, but maybe something terrible happens. Maybe your child dies. Maybe you lose that great job that you, you thought was going to make it okay. Maybe, you know, your marriage falls apart. Maybe you've made a lot of really bad choices, and now you're suffering all the consequences of those things. I mean, any number of things can happen that can, can just blow our lives to bits and pieces. And for you who've experienced those things, you understand that the earth is a hostile land. We're in the middle of a war zone. You know, it's a, a hostile place to live. And um, in, the, in the book, the, the Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard, could you go to the next slide? It's, it states this. I met many faithful Christians who, in spite of their faith, are deeply disappointed at how their lives have turned out. Sometimes it's simply a matter of how they experience aging, which they take to mean they no longer have a future. But often, due to circumstances or wrongful decisions or actions by others, what they had hoped to accomplish in life they did not. Much of the distress of these good people comes from the failure to realize that their life lies before them, the life that lies endlessly before them in the kingdom of God. Um, I want to tell you a little story about a woman in Brazil. Her name is uh, Daisy, and I think she's around 45, 50 years old, but she's a really sweet woman, very smart, intelligent. Uh, she works for the mission, and um, Daisy has never been married. She, uh, she I, I don't know the whole story, but basically I think when she was younger, she had had met some guy, she was in love with him or whatever, and right around that time, you know, she became a Christian and got really involved, and the guy that she was dating or engaged to wasn't a Christian, and so she broke it up with him because she felt like that's what the Lord was telling her to do, and she had hoped and prayed that this guy was going to become a Christian, and he didn't, and he ended up marrying someone else, so, you know, that was real heartbreaking for her, and so here she is, uh, you know, 45 years old, and she still hasn't gotten married, lonely. She really loves children, wanted children, never got that opportunity. Um, and then right when I had moved to Brazil, right when I'd gotten there, she started dating this guy in the church. Really nice guy, you know, um, he was a widow, uh, loved the Lord, you know, everybody was so excited because they're like, great, you know, Daisy's finally going to get what she deserves, is, a, you know, someone who loves her. And so they, they moved pretty quickly, I think, after like six months they were engaged and they were going to get married. Well, a few months later, he got in a really bad motorcycle accident. And um, not within a few weeks of the accident, he died. And, you know, everybody was just heartbroken, just heartbroken, just devastated. Like, how could this happen to this poor woman? You know, she's waited so long to have you know, love in her life, and then it's like right in her, her hand, and then it's taken away like that. And, you know, I, I thought about that so much, and I just thought, God, how does she even get up in the morning? You know, like, why keep going? You know, it's just too devastating, 
you know, not only just deal with the loneliness all the time, but then to have something like that happen, it just, it feels so hopeless. And um, I think about that and I think, you know, we're just constantly confronted with the fact that no matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, even if we do all the right things, anything that we have here can be taken away from us at any moment and there's nothing we can do about it. You know, as much as we try to, we are faced with the reality that everything we have here can be gone at any moment. And so we have to hold on to the hope that only Jesus, only Jesus, just like the song said, give me Jesus, that's all we have. Not, not all in like, I only got Jesus, you know, but we have to really, truly, completely put our hope in him because that's the only thing that we're never going to lose. We're never going to lose our future home in heaven with him. No one can take that away from this. Nothing in this life can take that away from us. Um, you know, but again, like I said before, we don't want to believe that because it's, it's so hard to let go and, and to know that we may spend the rest of our lives in longing for something that we don't have yet. You know, we may spend the rest of our lives waiting for heaven, waiting for that true, deep fulfillment in our hearts and souls. Uh, I want to look at the next verse here. You know, what we have to do on, in order to really live this life without completely giving up, in order to really be a follower of Jesus, uh, we have to face this as a reality. We have to hold on to this truth. It says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat fail, falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That's John uh, 12, 24. You know, when most of us hear somebody say something like, oh, I hate my life, you know, we think, oh, that person's depressed, or they've got a really negative attitude, you know. But right here in the Bible, it's saying, no, that's exactly the attitude you need to have. You need to hate your life. You know, we think of all those depressed people. Maybe those depressed people have caught on to something. Maybe they're depressed because they realize there's nothing here. There's nothing here that's going to really sustain us. Um, they realize that the home that they're longing for just can't be found here. And, uh, you know, they, they, they go into despair without Jesus. Um, to tell you a little bit more about my life as a missionary, uh, first of all, I want you to know that I would not choose to do anything else with my life. I would not choose to uh, come back here. I love the, my home, but I don't, I don't want to come back here to live. I know, I'm sorry, Jason. <laughs> um, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. I love what I'm doing, and I know that I'm called to do what I'm doing. Uh, but being a missionary has not made me happy. You know, um, being a missionary has not made me feel belonging. It has not made me feel known. It has not given me intimacy or a sense of purpose and significance. Um, in fact, being a missionary has pretty much taken all of my insecurities and amplified them. <laughs> and what being a missionary has done for me the most is made me aware that the earth will never be my true home. 
and that my only home will ever be in heaven. Uh, and so knowing that about me, knowing how unhappy it makes me, you, th you might think, why would you do that? You know, why would you put yourself in that position to, to experience such pain uh, like that? And um, the reason for that will go into uh, the book of Joshua. Now, um, the book of Joshua, just to give you a little background, is uh, right before, after the, the Israelites had been in the desert for about 40 years, the book of Joshua is when they're right about to go into the promised land. And symbolically, the promised land at that time was like heaven. It was like a symbolic place of heaven. So let's, let's read this here. So God gives them a command before they do that. It says, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in the land that Moses uh, gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed... Uh, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, um, until, that, until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. So, let me, again, let me just kind of update this verse for you a little bit and explain it to what it might mean to the body of the Christ today. So, it talks about land and rest, and as we've already kind of discovered, that's, that's this picture of this perfect home, right? So, the promised land was this picture of heaven. But what he say, says to them, he says, you've got it. This is a promise to you. I'm giving you this land and this rest, but you've got brothers and sisters out there who have not entered this rest yet, and you need to keep fighting for them. So, um, you know, what does this mean for us today? Who, who are our brothers and sisters today who have not entered that rest? That is the lost. You know, that is the broken. That is uh, the oppressed and the poor. These are the people who are still out there without the rest, without the promise of heaven. And so our job, while we're still here on the earth, is to fight on their behalf so that they might enter in that promised land of heaven with us. So... Um, uh, we, for them, keep fighting, even though our hearts are really longing for home. Uh, so let's go to 2 Corinthians, next verse here. Um, so this is, this is a little picture of Paul's life. Paul was the apostle. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of him. And this is a little description of what his life was like as an apostle and a missionary. It says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may re be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And that's 2 Corinthians. Um, you know, I read that verse, and I read about Paul's life, and I think, I don't want to live that kind of life. That sounds like a crappy life. You know, he, he went through a lot of hell, basically. And, um, you know, his life sounds like it's in the middle of a war zone. And I think most of us don't want to live that kind of life. You know, it sounds terrible. But there's something that happens to us when we actually choose that kind of life. 
And what, we, what happens is that we learn to accept that our earth is not our home. And uh, we start to hate our lives. And we admit that we're strangers and foreigners on the earth. And we also begin to realize that there's only one reason for us to really still be here. And that's this mission of fighting on behalf of our brothers and sisters who are still lost. And, uh, you know, I love this last line where it says, so then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And it's, it's this exchange we make. We allow ourselves to die on the inside so that we can give that life that we died away to other people. And that's the kingdom of heaven. That's what we're doing here. We're still, we're invited to keep advancing the kingdom of heaven and keep inviting the world into this amazing experience, this amazing heavenly place that we're going to live in together one day. Um, you know, I want to be a part of one day entering into heaven and being able to present to God saying, you know, these are the lost sons and daughters that I helped, I helped bring home to you, Jesus. That's, that's my hope. That's what I want to do while I'm still here on the earth. Um, and this is, is, this is what Paul states uh, in, in Philippians. It says, for me, for, uh, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what, should I, what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So we see here uh, Paul's attitude. He, he fully grasped his purpose here on this earth, and his heart was longing for heaven. His heart was longing for Christ. That's where he really wanted to be. You know, he didn't love his life on the earth. The reason he remained here was was to bring more people into heaven to, to, for the fruitful labor of, of seeking and saving the lost and bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. Um, you know, he, he didn't love his life, but he loved the lost. And so, therefore, it made it worth it for him to stay. And it wasn't about, he wasn't staying for the stuff he had. He wasn't staying for his great family or his great job. He wasn't staying for any other purpose than the mission of God. Um, you know, I, I want you to understand something here. I'm not saying to you that, you know, you can't enjoy anything on this earth. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm not saying that God doesn't want to give you anything good while you're here because that's not at all true. You know, God loves us. He loves to bless us. He loves to meet our needs. He knows us. He sees us. He does all those things. The thing is, though, the problem is, is we can't place our full hope in it because we can always lose it. You know, maybe God gives you something and it's for a time, a season, and then that thing goes away. You know, we have to, we have to always be looking to him as the source of, of the good things that we receive in our lives and never fully be putting our hope in that thing or that person or that uh, situation. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm not suggesting that we all need to become missionaries because I don't think that that's the call of everyone. I know that's not the call of everyone. Uh, 
you know, I was just talking to Shelly yesterday or the other day about you've been placed in a situation in your life. I don't care what your job is. I don't care what you do. There are people that you're surrounded by that you have the unique opportunity to speak into their lives. You have a unique opportunity to show them the character of God. You know, it's not for everybody to be in the ministry, okay? You, you have to let your life be that ministry and where you are be that ministry. And so I say that even though we're not all called to be missionaries or pastors or whatever, you are called to be a part of bringing the people into the kingdom. You are called to that. You have the same call in your life as I do, to, to seek and save the lost. And we have to confront the fact that maybe the call in your life is not going to make you happy. You have to accept the fact that maybe I need to put my happiness aside so that I can follow Jesus. I'm not saying you're never going to experience joy or peace. I know that you're going to experience those things, but you're also going to be really uncomfortable. You're also going to lose. You're, you're going to suffer. If you want to really follow the Lord, you're going to suffer at some point. And, and you have to let, be okay with that. You have to accept that as part of the journey and that ultimately your home is in heaven and that all those things that are deeply longing in your heart, you're going to get them all. You're going to get them all there. God's not going to forget anything there. Jesus is going to supply every single one of those deep longings in your heart in heaven. I think, um, I think that, you know, it's easy to maybe hear this, but to really grasp it in our hearts is a whole other thing. You know, we can maybe understand it intellectually, but to really let go of this world and to really hold on to heaven takes the Holy Spirit really revealing it to us. Uh, there's a, a great book um, that will make you really angry if you read it. It's called Finding God. Uh, you can go to the next. And this is one of the quotes in Finding God. Um, no one will conclude that God is good by studying life. The evidence powerfully suggests otherwise. Belief in the goodness of God and the worship that naturally flows from this confidence depends on the revealing work of the Holy Spirit. When he ushers us into the presence of ultimate goodness, when our dark, darkest tragedy is pierced by one glimpse of invisible glory, then faith is born. And the faith given by God's Spirit makes self-concern laughably unnecessary. We know that we're in good hands no matter what comes. And our manner of living reflects our knowledge. We relax and get on with the purpose of life on this earth, worshiping God and advancing his kingdom. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I just want us to pray today. I want us to be able to, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us to where that becomes the reality of our lives, that where we, we truly understand that God is in control. We're in good hands, and he's going to take care of us, and we can suffer because we know we're not alone. Um, I want to leave you with this last verse. It's a promise. It says, but in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I 
I want us to pray today. If, if, if you would like to receive prayer concerning this, if you would like to really let go of this world and hold on to heaven, we want to pray for you today. And John is going to come up and say a few things too. Thank you so much. Awesome. Uh, thanks for sharing your life with us. Uh, I really appreciated the point you made about Daisy. Uh, how she was 45 or 50, but she, but she was still nice and smart. I, some people didn't catch that, but I, I did. And I, I wanted to thank you for your encouragement with that. Uh, what Allison said is one of those moments uh, where God whispers to us, and in the noise around us, sometimes we don't hear God's voice. And God isn't just whispering some nice little ditty to us, but when God speaks to us, he's offering us something. He's offering us something of life that we're longing for, but we're looking for it in the wrong place. And Allison just, you know, honestly and vulnerably, because most people you think of who are missionaries, you think these heroic people, you know, who are going into this horrible place and, and they're finding all this meaning there. And, and Allison's telling you, no, you go there and it's hell. It's hard. It exposes all your inadequacies. And, and, and the thing about what God has for us, the best thing he has for us only happens in the wake of us having our inadequacies and weakness exposed and having our pain exposed. And that's a, that's a theme that, that just goes through the Bible. Uh, but our world, this world we live in, just tells us don't, don't face that pain. Ignore it, avoid it, uh, shut it down, uh, talk over it. But the Lord comes to us in this still small voice and speaks to us. And, and Jesus said to all the people that he spoke to in the first century that gathered to hear him, he said, listen, when God speaks to you, it's like a little seed. And all the corn in the world came from one seed. Every seed that God offers us has this potential for more than we could ever imagine, but we have to receive it. And I think God's speaking to, to different ones of you today in, in a, just a simple way. is You either believe that Jesus is enough or whatever you're holding on to is enough. And at any given moment, we're struggling with some difficulty in our life and something in front of us says this is what you need and we grab onto it and we cling to it and and in it it, it isn't like it doesn't have some value but eventually it it dries up it, it it you reach the finite limits of everything that god made even the good things he made and and god says that that you're you're a fool if you hold on to that but when the hand of Jesus comes to us, and it looks like it's empty, it just has a seed in it, a seed of promise of his life and his love. And you've got to look really close to see the seed. 
because it looks empty. And God's promise sometimes looks to you like, there's nothing there. Been there, done that. I've got this thing in my hand I can hold on to. It isn't everything I want, but it's something. But I think today, hopefully, Allison has prompted you to think that maybe you need to admit that that thing you're holding on to and the promise that you believe it carries, it isn't paying off. And the idea of letting go of something else is painful because maybe there's a bunch of those things that have those painful moments before. But the Lord is saying, if you let go of that and hold your hand out, I'll put this seed in your hand of my life and my presence. It comes with me. Because it is, it's like we, got, we can hold on to what we have or we can let go of it and we can say, Jesus, I want you. But you have to let go of something. Your hand's got something in it. So what is it today? Uh, Adam, are you still here? Uh, these bright lights. We sang that song uh, in the morning, Give Me Jesus. That, 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 uh, it's just a simple sort of little hymn. I want to ask you to ponder that question for a second while Adam comes up here. What is it that you think you can't do without? What is it? Whatever it is, it's, it's taking on more importance in your life than you think, and it's keeping you from this seed that's in the hand of Jesus. And if you notice, that, that hand has an, a, a nail hole in it from the cross. And, and it's just, Jesus is saying, I got this love that's behind this offer I have for you. Don't foolishly hold on to what you're holding on to. Open your heart up to me today. So as we sing this song, I want you to, uh, all of our lives move forward spiritually. This is what Christians believe. When God speaks to us, we need to respond. And each of us respond in different ways. There's no one size fits all. But you need to respond. Journeys are one foot in front of the other. And to many of you today, the journey that, you're, that you've been on, <clears throat> you're a little a bit of a crossroads. And the Lord's just saying, will you take a step to respond to me today? And if you will, I'll meet you. I will meet you. I will begin to give you what you're really looking for. But you have to let go of something. And it's unique to each of you. There's not one thing that we all have to let go of at any given moment. So as we sing this song... I'm going to just pray, and we're going to start singing this song. And this is how I want to ask you to respond to the Lord. Is if you know you have something to let go of, and you're ready to let go of it today, that, that thing that gives you security, or as Allison said, belonging, or significance, or, or meaning, or understanding, or love, whatever. And you want to acknowledge to the Lord that you want to let go of it today. I just want you to stand up. That's just your acknowledgement to him. It's your silent prayer and saying, God, I hear your voice and I'm not going to dismiss it. I'm not going to ignore it today. I want to let go of this. And as I let go of it, I just trust that you're going to put something in that empty hand. And I think more than anything else, it's going to be his hand. That He's going to put his hand on yours and say, I am enough. I'm, it's going to be hard for you to let go of this. Because when you let go of something, it's hard. 
When you lose anything, it's hard. But the Lord says, I'm going to be there with you. I promised I'd be there with you. And I'm going to. And then that's all you need to do. It's that simple. That's what Christians believe. So uh, let's just pray for a moment and don't stand. And at a certain point, we're not going to drag this out. At a certain point, you need to leave. You're welcome to leave. Uh, No judgment, no worry. Uh, And this isn't really a message for every single person here at this moment. Some of you, you're going to go home and think about this and you're going to hear something from God. But if you could, just as we sing this song together and you want to respond, just stand up. And I believe the Spirit is going to engage you and touch you. Uh, And if you want prayer in particular, we'll hang around up front here and pray for anybody that that might have had something stirred up that's that's, uh, more substantial than just this. Uh, simple response. So, it's not me. Phantom noises. <laughs> okay. So, Lord, uh, thank you for what you've shared with us through Allison. And uh, we just ask now that your spirit would move in our hearts as, as we respond, each of us. Now, Father, I pray that uh, this message that, that you've given us through Allison would just be personalized to everyone here that you're speaking to. Thank you for Jesus, your son, who gave his life, who's the, the grain of wheat that went into the ground and died and now gives life. We believe the life you have for us comes through your son, Jesus. And so we want to open our hearts up to him today in, in a, a fresh way. Thank you for your grace that's here that we could do that. And we ask this in his name. Amen. So if you know this song, keep your eyes closed and just let the Lord speak to you. If you, if you don't, it'll be up on the overhead. Go ahead, Adam.